Thank you so much, Olivia and team. I think they're called Love Quest. Is that right? Um, yes. I understand there are four teams here that do your music, and it's just great to see the young people so deeply involved, not just in music, but in the faith that inspires us to sing. What a great day, a beautiful day. Thank you for being here. Uh, Linda and I are delighted to be back. Uh, last summer, some of you may remember, we were here in your interim, your in-between time, uh, as you were waiting for uh, Bill and Kristen to come. And uh, you have had a great adventure, I know, all this uh, year together. I want to commend this congregation for its great commitment to Jesus, number one. Secondly, your commitment to share that love with one another. And thirdly, to share that love out into this community and the world beyond. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, including this great congregation. Uh, I asked the, the, service, the folks at the first service if they remembered what I preached on last summer. And uh, all of them stood up and said, yes, we remember, of course. So how many of you remember, huh? <laughs> well, I, I preached on uh, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say that with me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're living it out. You have a great yesterday and wonderful memories of, of the past. But today, this is a vital and wonderful congregation. Linda and I are delighted to be here to worship with you and, and to splash around in God's Word once again because forever God will be faithful to you and me, whatever our circumstances, and to this congregation as you move forward. So thanks be to God for the opportunity to be here. This summer, we have a little cottage down at Chedwell, Old Chedwell. We're not in the fancy part there, but on Old Chedwell Road. And this summer, we put the boat in, and uh, uh, as uh, I was uh, leaving the uh, Shore Acres uh, Marina where they'd had to fix the engine, you know, they always have to fix the engine, <laughs> and, uh, and we were going out. Why, Dick said to me, he said, now... Uh, be careful because, you know, there's a no-wake zone as you go under the bridge and then up the lake. And indeed, the signs were posted, as usual, no-wake. And as we were going up through that area, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be wonderful if there were a sort of no-wake zone in life? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> wouldn't it be a great place uh, where there were no waves, there was no challenge to our lives, uh, that we, we didn't have to face the winds and the storms, but there was just no wake. Well, that's not the way it is, is it? And there is that, that, that time when the waves come and when the winds buffet and when the wake is up. And we are wondering if we're going to make it through. And that, I would like to suggest this morning, is a time to wake up and to meet Jesus once again. That's what the disciples discovered in this 14th chapter of Matthew. Will you uh, hear it with me once again? I think it'll be up on the screen also. Here it is. Put yourself in this story. Who are you? How does this feel to you? Does this say something to you about your life here uh, in Bemis Point? 
and how life is unfolding for you. I said uh, something uh, before the first service to one of the team about um, preach on walking on water, and she said, oh, well, we do that every winter here in Bemis Point, walk on the water. Yeah, right, okay. Put yourself in this story. Here it is. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. Now, the crowds... If you read the earlier in the 14th chapter, this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. They'd come hungry, they'd come thirsty, they'd come, uh, they hear Jesus, they'd been fed spiritually, they got hungry physically. I mean, this is about real life. So you've got the feeding of the 5,000, this incredible miracle. Just think about that in the background as you're thinking about being one of Jesus' disciples in this story. They just fed the 5,000. Jesus dismisses the crowds. And then uh, the scriptures say, when he sent them away, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. Evening came and he was alone. Don't you look forward to those evening times when you can pray and be alone? It's just a wonderful moment. Last night, uh, walking the dog, looked up at the moon. Did you see the moon last night in the evening? What a wonderful time that can be. And then the word, meanwhile. <laughs> Me, meanwhile, life happens, right? Everything seems to be so tranquil and quiet. You're in your quiet time. And meanwhile, all sorts of other things are happening. And here it is. Meanwhile, the boat, fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning, Jesus came to his disciples walking on the lake. Other translations put it, walking on water, W-O-W. Wow. Walking on the lake, on the water. There he was. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they rejoiced and were at peace. No, no, it says... They were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They were so frightened, they screamed. Have you ever screamed when the wake is up <laughs> and when it all seems to be coming apart? Just then, Jesus spoke to them. Be encouraged. Some tra translations put that, take heart. This is a matter of of your heart being with the heart of God. Drawing strength from the one who created it all, who put that moon up there last night. Take heart. Be encouraged. It's me. Don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, notice if, Peter's always, uh, like I find myself, you may find yourself in between that belief and doubt. Well, if, if it's you, Peter says, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, what? Say a little louder. Come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water towards Jesus. But, and there's always the but along with the meanwhile <laughs> in our lives. 
But when Peter saw the strong wind and became frightened, have you been there? He began to sink. Anybody sinking this morning? And he shouted, Lord, rescue me. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, saying, You man of weak faith. Uh, one of the other translations, the one that says, Take heart, wonderfully puts here, You who are faint hearted. He reached out. You man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down, and then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be God's son. Say that with me. You must be God's son. Let us pray. Thank you for visiting us here on the lake, Lord. You must be God's son. And you know that circumstances where we are right now, you know each and every one of us. You come to meet us where we are and to invite us to take your hand and to find your lifting power of love and grace. Now speak to each of us by name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, two weeks ago, we had uh, many of our grandchildren with us packed into the cottage. Uh, it's wonderful, rainy, weak, kids all over the place packed into the cottage. And Ava, who is seven, uh, said, Now, Mom, you said when I was seven years old I could learn to water ski. And overhearing this, I said to Ava, and she said, Yep, that's right, I'm going to learn to water ski this summer. And I was working some on this sermon, and so I said to her, you mean, Ava, you're really going to walk on water? And there's sort of this long pause, and she looked at me, and she said, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we got her geared up uh, and uh, did some practicing in the shallow uh, and put all that bulky stuff on her. You know, she sort of looked like a little Oompa Loompa. <laughs> And loaded her in the boat, and uh, out uh, they went, and everything was ready. She was ready. She was, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then one of those boats, probably a speedboat from Bemis Point, came whizzing by, and the wake was up, and it was rocking the boat, and she tumbled over. I could see out there in the boat, and, 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 and all of a sudden, I could tell there was something wrong. She wasn't about to do this, and later it was reported. She said, I'm scared. I don't think I can do this. Have you ever been there? You got all prepared. You're all set for life. You hope you're in a no-wake zone. <laughs> and then the wake hits. And the winds come. And the challenges are there. This week, uh, this week we've heard of a dear friend of ours who's been diagnosed with cancer. The unexpected wake. It rocks the boat, doesn't it? Rocks the boat. One of our son-in-law's niece doesn't live too far from here. 
33 years old, three children. Earlier this week, in the middle of the night, she had an asthma attack. Her heart stopped, rushed to the hospital. They're now trying to decide whether to remove the life support or not. The wake is up. The winds come. Unexpectedly, they batter. You have your list, don't you? Uh, I was talking to a guy who uh, uh, came by this week at the cottage, and he lives out uh, outside of Jamestown and was talking about the financial economic situation here in this area, how he'd been raised on a farm, tried to do that, and then he went into trying to get a job, had a job for a while, and then that company went out of business and went into another job. That company went out of business. Now he's trying to make it with sort of odd jobs here and there. Wakes up. He said, it's really rough. What's on your list that makes it really rough that when the wake comes up, in the congregation that Linda and I are a part of in Virginia, why this spring, why one of the uh, young teenagers like these bright teenagers here who from about the age of three or four began to usher with his granddad. And every Sunday he would be there coming up and down the left-hand aisle with his granddad. He went on mission trips. He was a part of the youth group uh, he was a bright, committed young person, just somebody that everybody loved. And senior, he just graduated from high school. And then he was driving home, and nobody knows exactly what happened, but the car went off the road. No drugs, no alcohol, no speeding. Just happened. Those kind of surprises. And he was gone. Gone to glory. But he was gone. You know how those things happen? They've happened in your life. They've happened in my life. They happened in the disciples' life. They'd, they'd been through all the training, you know. They'd been in the shallow waters with Jesus. Here in the 14th chapter of Matthew, when we meet them, they've just been through... Uh, hearing the Sermon on the Mount, ten chapters of following Jesus, seeing all the miracles, knowing all of his power and wonder and his incredible love that reaches out. They knew all of that. They had just been there for the feeding of the 5,000. And, and then Jesus goes off to pray, and they get in the boat to go about life, and life happens. In the meanwhile, it starts to come. The wind and the wake is up. And when the wake is up, it is time to wake up to the fact that Jesus, before you even ask him, is coming to you. Jesus knows your circumstances. And there in the middle of the night, have you ever been there in the middle of the night and all of a sudden sense the presence of Jesus coming? It, you were so caught up in your own stuff, you, you hadn't even called out to him yet. And yet, Jesus loves you and me so much that he comes before we even know it. We call that in Wesleyan theology, prevenient grace. That is that God's love is there for you and for me and for this world before we ever realize it or accept it. I remember 
a number of years ago when I had the most serious incident of health that I've ever had. It was on a Saturday night. I was in extraordinary pain. Sunday was coming. I was supposed to preach the next Sunday in the church I was serving. And, you know, us preachers, nothing keeps us from being there in the pulpit on Sunday morning. And, and yet the, the pain and, and it was getting so bad, and I was debilitated. And my wife said, uh, you've got to go to the hospital. I said, no, no, I'm not going to the hospital. And, and, and finally I said, yeah, we've got to go to the hospital. Emergency ward, the whole nine yards. Ended up being three weeks. They didn't know what was happening. Eventually did exploratory surgery and took care of it. But, but that first night, I really wasn't sure if I was going to make it. And then early in the morning, I heard, I opened one eye and I looked out. There was a wonderful woman mopping the floor in the hospital room, humming what? Amazing grace. How sweet, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Oh, my. Before I even knew it, Jesus was in that hospital room. Before I was even conscious of his love, the angels were singing. Jesus comes to those disciples even before they cry out. They're looking out into the night. They're wondering how they're going to make it through. Little Ava said, I'm scared. I don't think I can do this. Of course you can't do life, and I can't do life. That's why we have a Savior. Amen? And so he comes to us even before we know it or realize it with a word of take heart. Take heart. It is high. You know, they think it's a ghost. They think this is all hocus-pocus. They think it, even though they've been with him all these years by that point, a couple years, they, they, they think this is, you know, another one of those sort of soft, gauzy, spiritual things. No, Jesus is really there. We say in the Apostles' Creed that we believe in the resurrection of the body. This isn't about something sort of uh, amorphous and soft. This is about Jesus who shows up when you need Jesus to show up, even before you know he's going to show up. Forget everything else. Remember that as you go out today. Jesus shows up when you need him to show up, even when you don't think he's going to show up. It's a ghost. No, it's not a ghost. It's Jesus who cares about you and does the impossible to get to you at the very moment of your need. And there, Jesus joins them in the boat. Do you know he's real? Do you know he's coming to you every time before you ever even need it? Take heart. It is I. He says, don't be afraid. Well, Peter, wonderful Peter, 
he gets really enthusiastic about this. You ever been enthusiastic about the Lord? I saw some of you raising your hands, and that's wonderful. And you're here this morning instead of out there on the lake on a beautiful morning. You're enthusiastic about the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. But we're still in our comfort zone, aren't we? Because when the wake is up, wake up to the fact that Jesus is coming to you. But secondly, when the wake is up, when things are rough, when Jesus comes to you, he's going to call you to come to him. Are you with me? When he comes to you or me, he's going to call us to come to him. So Peter says, hey, if, if it's really you, call me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. He's got your name. He's got mine. He's calling us when he shows up for you to come closer and closer to him to get out of your comfort zone and to walk on water. Wow. Wow. Peter gets up, gets out of his comfort zone, and starts to walk. Starts to walk. I was thinking about this young physician, uh, Kent Bandley. Have you been reading about him? missionary physician in Liberia in the midst of the Ebola breakout. He's uh, 32 years old, got two kids, three and five. He went to Liberia as a part of the Samaritan's Purse mission program. We United Methodists have missionaries there this morning. We have five hospitals in Sierra Leone and in Liberia that are trying to minister to those with Ebola. They've, the government has shut down most of the hospitals in Liberia. Our mission hospitals are still going, as was the mission hospital that Kent was serving at as this young missionary. Uh, Friday, he released a statement about, about his experience so far. And, you know, he's now here in the United States at Emory University, one of our United Methodist Universities in isolation, where they're trying to figure out how to stop this Ebola in him as well as others around uh, how, how to stop it in Africa. Ninety percent of the people with Ebola are dying. Ninety percent. Kent released a statement about his faith journey. I mean, you talk about the wake being up, rough waters. This young doctor, two small kids, his love for the Lord and his love for those people in Africa, in Liberia. He writes this, and I quote, When Jesus calls you, he calls you to come to unexpected places. And then he added in his statement, when they diagnosed that I was positive with Ebola, there was a peace that passes understanding that filled my soul. I don't know Kent, but I know Jesus. And I know that Kent knows what it means to step out of the boat and risk for his Lord. And what it means to go to those unexpected, unexpected places and to have unexpected things happen to you. And they've happened to you and to you and to you and to me. They will happen on down the, 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 the route in the, in the lake. 
But Jesus knows what you're facing. He's come to meet you with love even before you recognized it. And he invites you now to wake up and step out of the boat and come to him in new and deeper ways. That's what the song Ocean the Kids sang for us before the sermon was saying. To go deep in our prayer, to go deep in our Bible study, to go deep in our relationship with Christ, to go deep in stepping out with Honduras, hope for Honduras, or the other wonderful mission things this congregation is involved in. Go deep in your witness to somebody that's at work who's sinking for the last time and needs to know that there is a Savior who loves him or her as well. Dare to risk speaking the name. Dare to share the love of Christ. Step out of your comfort zone. There are Canton missionaries all around the world who are putting their lives on the line this very morning. And the real Savior is there with them. He's here with you too and me. So Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk. I had a Bible study some years ago where we were looking at this passage and one of the old steel workers said to me, why'd they add that part about Peter sinking? That just ruins the story, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be great if it just stopped when Peter got out of the boat and started to walk? <laughs> and then we looked at the passage and we realized that the greatest good news in this passage is not that Peter walked on water. Because if that were the great news, at least I would be forsaken. Because I know my own life and my own journey, and I know that while I try to be faithful, there are times I fail and begin to sink. The good news is Jesus reached out and took his hand. When having dared and failed, God's love in Christ holds on to us and pulls us up. Carl Burke, some years ago, who was a chaplain to teenage delinquents up in Buffalo, wrote a little book entitled, God is for Real Man. And as the kids tried to translate scripture, they were sitting by a pond and somebody was drowning. And, and one of the kids dove in, juvenile Lincoln, drove in, pulled this guy out. And, and, and when they were sitting there looking at the scriptures, Carl says they decided that was, that was the word they would use for saving, salvation getting pulled out. Anybody here this morning need to get pulled out? Feeling like you're sinking? Wake up to the best news in the universe. <laughs> There's a hand that wants to take your hand in that risky place where you're living right now and pull you out. And so, Ava's mom said to her, you'll do okay. And Ava said, well, okay. And I could see they were lifting her up, and she had her little skis on, and they dumped her in the lake. <laughs> you ever feel like you've just been dumped in the lake? And hooked her up to the boat, started to pull that little seven-year-old came up on the water, sort of crouched down, leaning this way and that way, wobbling for about, oh, ten feet. It's about as far as Peter got. 
And then, boom, she fell right down in the water. And when she got into shore, I said to her, I said, well, Ava, how was it? And she said, it was awesome. Wow. Even when we go down, that hand was there, pulled out. How about you? We're going to share bread and the cup. The real signs of a real Christ who is here for you today. When the wake is up, wake up to Christ who is coming to you before you even know it. When the wake is up, wake up to Jesus' invitation for you to draw closer, to get out of your comfort zone and go to him and follow him wherever you lead in those unexpected places. Wake up that when you're not quite the Christian you want to be, there's a hand that reaches down and is there to grasp yours. That's why we call it the body and the blood. He is really here for you now. Let us pray. As we come hearing your invitation once again, we think of all those kids uh, in the Vacation Bible School who committed or recommitted themselves to you, who reached out and took your hand. We know you're loving them and leading them on. We pray that you will take our hand now as we reach out our hands for bread and the cup. You have come to us here now. Now let us come to you. Amen.